Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord? Come on. I mean, I can't help but keep referencing what happens at sporting events, right? And uh, one time I was just watching the football game, and that's when I... You know, before the NFL became all political, but <laughs> but um, I was watching and I was rooting for Seahawks and a lot of Alaskans. I think we naturally root for Seahawks because that's the closest state to us. And uh, everybody was just like, "Yeah!" And I remember screaming. Then all of a sudden, I just heard a voice, and because uh, that earlier that day, I was at a worship service. Well, and, and there was worship going on, and I'm all paid. And I was like, "Why are people?" you know, also picking up their hands and expressing themselves. I'm like, where's reverence before the Lord? I didn't have a full understanding of what reverence is, you know, because I thought reverence is just putting on a face and uh, being humble. And But the thing is, reverence is about, you know, not just hearing the word of God, but fulfilling the word of God. God says, do this, you do that. That's reverence before God. But then I look at so many scriptures, Psalms, all through history, Give a shout. Uh, when the Israelites were walking around Jericho, you know, so many times. And then on the seventh day, they marched seven times. And they shouted. And they screamed. And I'm thinking, praise God. What's holding us back? If I have a, if anything, I should be, Holy Spirit should probably notify me. Of this. I bet he did. But I just ignored it. Like, well, why aren't you shouting for the Lord? You know, so <laughs> I believe that's a good challenge for us. And um, today we're jumping into continuing on our very important series that we're doing. It's a three-part series between me and Pastor Mark. Uh, last week we talked about the importance of reading the scriptures. So the essentials for every Christian, okay? It's a teaching. Uh, so be ready for a lot of scripture today. Um, I believe the Holy Spirit will be able to deposit something into you about the importance of prayer. So we did the importance of reading the Word of God. Today I'm going to talk about the power of prayer. And next week, which happens to land also on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Palm Sunday, when people were shouting and screaming when Jesus came. And we're going to focus on worship, the importance of worship. And Pastor Mark is going to be sharing an amazing message. I encourage you to come back next week. Uh, if, you do not, if you do not have a church, we'd love to have you here. So praise God for all that he is doing. Let's open it up with a prayer. Lord, we give it all to you. We pray that this word, Father God, it is your word. That the Holy Spirit would breathe upon it, Father God, and teach us the importance of prayer. We love you. We worship you, Lord. We magnify your holy name. Have your way, Jesus, in this place. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen. All right. I uh, uh, pulled a couple of uh, quotes here. F.B. Meyer um, said, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Yeah, makes sense, right? Let me read that again. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And instead of it being something that we do every day, like breathing, eating, walking, talking, uh, it seems like prayer has become this uh, glass-covered box, um, like a fire extinguisher for some reason. Think like break in case of emergency. Did you notice that until something hits us, we don't come out and pray? 
It's literally prayer becomes essential to us when something hard hits. But I think it's so much beyond that. The prayer has so much value. And by God's grace, I'm praying that God be able to help me direct that. There's going to be a lot of scriptures. And we just, just keep me in prayer through this whole process. And I'm actually going to talk about that when you pray for somebody. How uh, we're going to talk about types of prayer. And one of them is intercessory prayer. So for all you believers out there, and all of you are, <laughs> you can keep me in prayer. Amen? So, all right. Uh, I heard of a story of a man, I, I like aviation, but uh, I don't know if it's true, probably is, maybe, <laughs> but it's incredible. Um, so he was having trouble with his airplane, his engines were cut out, and, um, and he was trying to figure out, reset what's going on, and then he calls the dispatcher, the tower says, I'm 300 miles over the airport, 600 feet above the ground, I'm losing altitude, I'm out of fuel, and... Um, I'm descending rapidly. Please advise. Over. And uh, after a little bit of silence, the dispatcher responds. He says, hey, repeat after me. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Amen. <laughs> I've, I've seen people pray on the airplane. Uh, one time I was flying between states, and the airplane was shaking him, and I saw lightning outside of the window. And as we were approaching um, the landing area, the plane was going left to right where I was able to see the runway from my window <laughs> that we're going to. You get it? Like if the runway is there and the plane is like, shh, shh. And uh, I'm amazed always by pilots um, and how they were able to just keep the angle proper. In the last minute, I already forgot what it's called, a glide or something. I should ask Matt about that. And they do that and they land it flawlessly. And I was sitting in the way back and that was the smoothest landing I've ever experienced. It's like... Pilots try extra <laughs> when, the, when there's too much turbulence. They try extra uh, to land it so smoothly to, to offset it somehow. See, God offsets us long winters by giving us long summers. Amen? So I'm happy about that. So anyways, I just used that as an example of, about the airplane. Um, but I've noticed during that time of turbulence, a lot of people were praying. I actually heard an out loud prayer. Before you're like, oh, I'm just going to, if we're at church, we're like, I'm going to lift up before the Lord, and they'll just like mm, quietly saying it before the Lord. But when trouble hits, people pray. You begin praying out loud, and there was a lot of out loud prayer. Yeah, it even smelled on the airplane because people were scared. You know, people thought they were gonna crash. I mean, it was to the point that I was, <laughs> I was scared myself. So, anyways, but let us not turn to prayer only in times of difficulty, amen. But in time, at all times, and I'm gonna, by God's grace, give you the ability to explain the importance of prayer so prayer is one of those things that is talked about more than anything right but I believe practiced less than anything um, and I believe prayer remains one of the greatest gifts the Lord has given us um, outside of our salvation and prayer is our communication so God speaks to us last week we talked about the word of God right and the more we read the word of God the more we recognize the voice of God and it helps, it goes in line with our prayers when we go into our secret room, when we bring our petitions, whatever it is before the Lord. Amen? So, I think it's nearly impossible to be a Christian and not pray. Um, I'll just say it like that. Uh, it's like you cannot have a good marriage if you don't talk to your spouse. <laughs> I mean, if you don't talk for one day, you know something's going down. It's weird. Like, it is not very comfortable. But communication is vital. Amen? So, one of our pipeline communication, primary 
pipeline of communication with God is our prayer. Amen. So first, uh, I'm going to talk about first type of prayer, prayer with persistence, okay? Or pray with persistence. I like to also tell it like it's called push uh, prayer. Prayer until something happens, okay? Pray until something happens. All right, so it's prayer with persistence. I'm going to use examples in the scripture. Uh, Paul says, I might not have these because I'm going to compare two versions. Colossians 4.2 in the NASB uh, translation says, devote yourself to prayer. And uh, New King James Version says, continue earnestly in prayer. Okay, so in the original language, it says, remain devoted to. So as we can tell, it carries the idea of dedication. You really are dedicated to it. And out of 10 times in the New Testament, four times of them is specifically addressed as being devoted prayer. Okay, and it is given us as a command. So in other words, persistent prayer is not uh, an option, but an order from the Lord. Okay, Lord himself. And two of the most instructive parables Jesus told was in Luke 18 and in Luke 11, um, both having to deal with persistent prayer. Uh, Luke 18.1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It says that they should always pray and not give up. Amen. And then in the Luke 11.9, we find its promise, meaning the benefits are right. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So each of these words, notice that it says in present tense, okay? Keep, it's as if it would have, trans, other translation would have been like, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Keep on knocking, amen? So uh, Jesus does not want us to give up. He instructs us to learn persistence, okay? And uh, there's a difference between persistent prayer and the long prayer, <laughs> Um, a person who is persistent uh, in prayer does not necessarily have to pray for like a long time. But persistence means not giving up. Uh, I'm amazed sometimes you hear testimonies of people like they can just keep praying and praying and praying for their son or their daughter over the course of 10 years. I know that all of you have somebody in mind that you would just wish that they would come to know the Lord. And, and I love that. Because that's what I believe is persistence prayer, persistent prayer, that you don't give up, amen? So, and, but sadly, oftentimes we give up too early because we let our feelings get in the way and we say, well, I don't feel like praying. Uh, but Bible tells us to pray without seizing, so pray without stopping, amen? Uh, I'm going to use a, real quick uh, a quote. So George Mueller, he was a great prayer warrior. I looked up. A lot of information this time. Um, but he was, a pers- uh, he was talking about persistence in prayer. It's a common temptation of Satan to make us give up on reading the word and prayer. Two very important things, right? When our enjoyment is gone, the truth is, in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue reading it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. Would you look at that? <laughs> Who would have thought? So in order for you to go past your feelings, you got to continue doing it. The less we read Word of God, he says, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. And it's kind of like that with the appetite, too. The moment you start eating, the appetite kicks in. And there's, they even do these different hors d'oeuvres to open up your taste buds. So, but David is a perfect example. You look through a lot of his psalms. He's like, oh, my soul. Why are you troubled? He's continuously just battling just all this thought of just like, ah, so much stuff going on. 
I got to break through this. But he was persistent. Prayer number two is prayer with passion. Okay? We get amazing. If you are persistent in something, it usually means you're passionate about it, right? So, in fact, Paul says that we should be vigilant and watchful. And I think that describes a passionate prayer. And uh, Jesus was a passionate, very passionate about prayer. I'm going to use some examples here. Um, he was doing it. Also, another quote, as D. Gordon says, uh, how much prayer meant to Jesus. This is really profound. I think this might be the last time I'm going to use a quote. But listen to this. It was not only his regular habit. We were talking, he's talking about Jesus' prayers. But his resort in every emergency, however slight or serious, when perplexed, Jesus prayed. When hard-pressed by work, he prayed. When hungry for fellowship, he found it in prayer. He chose his disciples and received his messages upon his knees. If tempted, he prayed. If criticized, he prayed. If fatigued in the body or weary in his spirit, he prayed. He had recourse to his one unfailing habit of prayer. Prayer, think about it, that son of God, he's the son of God. Why is he praying? But the son of God himself was praying a lot. Prayer brought him unmeasured power at the beginning and kept the flow of unbroken and undiminished. There was no emergency, no difficulty, no necessity, no temptation that would not yield to prayer. And I'm going to use some of these examples real quick. I'm going to quote them. You can write them down. We're not going to have them up here just for these sections. But check this out. Passionate prayer, number one, opens up prayer, opens up heaven. Luke 3, 21, when, Jesus, uh, when Jesus, Jesus was just baptized, right? It says, while he was praying, the heaven was open. Amen? Passionate prayer gives direction. And Luke 6, 12, before he called his disciples, Jesus spent a whole night in prayer. Passionate prayer enables us to experience the glory of the Father. I mean, I've seen people that walked out of prayer, and I hear so many stories from Pastor Mark when he's talking about when God was moving and, you know, in these, those, you know, hippie days, and it was amazing, and people are experiencing. I mean, they walk out of there, I mean, there's glory cloud, and their face was shining. I guess the best way, you know, to explain it, you know, I say a certain pregnant woman, they glow. I guess <laughs> something like that, you know. But just the glory of a father, you know, rests upon you. In Luke 9.29, to back this up, it says, While he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. So that's another uh, what prayer does. Passionate prayer impacts lives of others. And we see that through the eyes of Jesus. Again, John 17.9, in his highly priest, Jesus was praying, interceding for us. Think about it. He was, oh, he already had you in mind. He already had me in mind. He had your children in mind. Jesus was praying. And that was his passionate prayer. And then through passionate prayer, we can pour out our hearts before God. In Matthew 26, 39, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was pouring out his heart before God. Uh, remember, that was, and we're, as we're partaking today, I was thinking of Jesus' blood. And it says that when, before he, this is in prayer, this is before he crucified, the night before he was crucified, he sprang so hard that his blood turns to sweat. It, it's a phenomenon, it's a medical phenomenon, and it's actually called hematohydrosis, okay? It's true, hematohydrosis. So that's just excruciating amount of psychological weight. I can't help to think 
how he saw us in the future. Me and you. And he was praying so hard. I mean, think about it. There was, it's the one thing sweaty, but I mean, this sweat turned into blood. And it was all about his precious blood for us. Amen. Um, passionate prayer will enable us to maintain the spirit even in the most difficult circumstances. And this is the easiest one, right? Because what happens is the moment we hit a difficult situation, we pray. But Jesus, until the very last stand, he's on the cross. Here's people spitting at him. I mean, piercing him and doing all these things. And what does he choose? He says, Lord, forgive them, for they not know what they do. Until this day, he was praying for their salvation. That's true love of God. Amen. So again, prayer gives us the ability to uh, just maintain in the most difficult time. And Jesus always prayed with passion. You know why? Because he knew who he was talking to. Think about that. Next time you pray, you know who you're talking to. I mean, people will turn to uh, psychologists, therapists, all those things. And I'm just not discounting. Those are all great. And I believe all those things are very vital. And there's godly people. We have, uh, you know, a therapist like Lisa among us. She's a God-fearing woman. And on top of that, she's a believer. But people often, they, they turn to alternative things. You know, they turn to drugs, other things, alcohol, and they just to, to escape. But we can bring it up before the Lord. Before the Lord, Why? We know who we're talking to. Think about it. We're talking to God directly through the Son of Jesus Christ. He made that way. You don't need to go to some temple and bring sheep with you. He just says, open up your, ear, open up your mouth and I will fill them. How easy, Lord, you've made it for us. Jesus taught us to pray not only through example of doing it, but he also mentioned it in his teachings. Uh, in Matthew 6, 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, this is where Jesus instructs on prayer, right? This is where we know of the Lord's Prayer that I mentioned in the beginning, our Father which art in heaven. Um, but just before the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? Look at this, Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for, ma for their many words. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying you can pour out, you know, this is not, it does not, it's not talking about you going and just like saying all these things before God. But this is talking about empty words. And I'm going to use an example because, you know, have you heard of wailing wall? So there's that wall, right? And all the Jewish people would come up and pray and they would stick their prayer needs in those cracks. And nowadays, uh, Jews actually around the world can send a paper tax, I mean, paper prayer via fax and to the wailing wall. And I'm thinking, well, Lord, what happened to your prayer? Because what happens is people repeat these uh, prayers as if they were some kind of magic manta. They'll repeat the same thing over and over. I actually looked into it. It's kind of fascinating. Uh, and they think that by saying X amount of times, God will be moved or he will hear them. Uh, but I think they're doing exactly what Jesus was instructing them not to do, right? Um, because it's not about your religious repetition, uh, or with your chant, or whatever you call it, to impress God. Um, that's not what you do when you're in a relationship, right? When you're talking to your wife, I mean, you, you don't just go, I love you uh, in the morning, I love you, and I just want to tell you, I'm just so thankful that I love you, and uh, feed the kids, uh, okay, bye, amen, <laughs> right? So a lot of times what happens is we come before the Lord, we're just like, um, we just shoot it out like a Christmas list, and just walk away, <laughs> 
And it's so important to remain standing because prayer is our dialogue with God. This is your time to pray whatever is on your heart and remain and wait on the Lord. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, about that just a little bit later here. But prayer is a dialogue. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can't accomplish much. Right? So it's the fervent. In other words, your passionate prayer before God. Amen? Number, third, uh, number three type of prayer, okay? Pray with thankfulness. It's a prayer of gratitude despite circumstances. It is a prayer that is not based on feelings, okay? Because let me tell you this, most of the time you will not feel like praying. <laughs> it's true. But when you begin thanking God, when you begin reflecting what God has done in your life and saying, Lord, you brought me through. Look, I, here I am sitting in church, fellowshipping, raising my hand and worshiping you through every situation because you're grateful. And it is one of the greatest life acts to prayer. Pray with gratitude. I'm going to give you several scriptures right now. So this is going to be like rapid fire. <laughs> Philippians 4.6 is going to be up top. You'll see it. Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything. Say anything. Can you say it with a New Jersey accent? Anything. <laughs> but what? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving, present your request to God. So with Thanksgiving, when we start opening our, just saying, Lord, you've been so good. I mean, I'm able to, I've lived through all this pandemic and everything, whatever, and all this misinformation, whatever it may be. There's, there's truth, but then there's all these things. But Lord, you've brought me here today, and I'm here by your grace. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in sometimes, right? No. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To give thanks in all circumstances. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether by word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, we're giving thanks to God. We're bringing up just saying, Lord, you've been good. In 1 Timothy 4.4, uh, 4, he talks about that, you know, food and marriage, those are actually great things that God has given us. And, and we are to receive this by thanksgiving. But it says in the verse 4, for everything God created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with what? Thanksgiving. So expressing gratitude when we come to prayer, it does several things. It shows our dependence that we need God, right? We can't figure it out on our own. Maybe some of us can for that period. There's eventually comes time we can't figure it all out. <laughs> and then, or your kid will come up and ask you some really interesting questions. <laughs> How do you handle that, right? But what happens is prayer, it shows dependence. It demonstrates relationship that you have a dialogue with God, okay? It communicates gratitude. And it generates humility that we're able to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need you. I need you in this situation. So going to the next point, number four, intercessory prayer. Pray making intercession, okay? Uh, it's directly connected with the prayer language which is my final point that's coming up but intercessory prayer is basically a praying for others to be simple okay um it is praying for god's will to be done in the lives of others and i remember there was this big evangelist he passed away last year i believe reinhard bonke 
He, was, he brought so many people to Jesus in Africa. I mean, very just poor place. And in one of his books, he was talking about it. He was nearly dying. I mean, and he was just sick in the middle of the night. And it wasn't until later he met a woman, said, on this day, I just had to tell you. She came up to him and said, this was years later. She says, I have written it down because in the middle of the night, I was awakened. I was just like, you need to pray. You just need to pray for a man. Somebody, there's a man somewhere that needs your prayer for he. And, you know, that's it. She didn't even give him the details. And she's like, I just got up and I just couldn't help him but just to pray. And she's like, I just kept praying in tongues. I didn't even know how to pray. And this is going to be a great point in the next uh, section. But, and she just kept praying and praying and praying. And he nearly died because he was, uh, what's that um, blood disease? Uh, melon, mel, uh, Malaria, malaria, yeah. Um, he was with that, and he was nearly dying. But because there, there was a woman who was obedient to the Holy Spirit, that's intercessory prayer. She stood, and she prayed. She said she prayed for a couple of hours, and then miraculously, God touched him, and he was healed within hours. It's amazing. It was across country. So Jesus prayed intercessory prayers. This, these are going to be highlights. You can write them down. They're not going to be on the display. But in, in Isaiah 53, 12, Bible says, he himself bore the sins of many and interceded. Here it is again. Interceded for the transgressors. So Jesus is continuously interceding for us. Luke 22, 23. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Okay. Here is Jesus again interceding. Luke 23, 34. On the cross when Jesus was praying for others. I just mentioned that. That's intercessory prayer. He says, Jesus, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Um, in John 14, 15, Jesus intercedes for us, asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second here. John 17, 19, he prayed for us, the church, in his highly uh, priestly prayer, right? In high priestly prayer. He was interceding on our behalf. Uh, Romans 8, 34, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It says, making intercession for us. So Jesus, until this day, is interceding from the heavenly realms on our behalf. Amen? So, and Paul talks about it, right? Paul wanted to be sure that uh, the Colossian Christians understood what it was, what they needed to pray for. He wanted them to pray with a specific purpose. He wanted them to pray um, for him. There's time where actually Paul was in jail for preaching the gospel, right? And you would think Paul would be asking for what? Can you guys pray that the, for my legal status uh, or legal actions to be taken? He's a Roman. You know, like, why not pray for that, right? That's a specific prayer. But what is Paul asking uh, them to pray for? So that the gospel would be preached. So I just love that about him. He was always kingdom-minded. It's incredible. Brett, thank you for sharing that this morning as well with Pastor Mark. So, and like Jesus, Paul was concerned with well-being of others. And I, I really want to point that out. It's very important when we learn to pray for others more often. Because what happens is we often get so selfish. And we're always praying just for well-being of our family. And just well-being of our children. But we don't pray for those people that are like desperately needed. And they're at work. And they're not pleasant to work with. Whoever it may be. And we need to start praying for them. When we begin praying for others. The whole another door opens up to us. And that's the heart of Jesus. Okay. So he's... Asking them to pray is like for the opportunity to lead people to Christ when Paul's in prison, right? So he was always concerned 
with what God was doing. Intercessory prayer changes things. Amen. There was, uh, I want to use an example. I met this guy in college. Man, until this day, I'm so moved by it. Um, he, was, uh, he was leading a Sunday school service uh, for kids. And he was like 14 years old. And I love this fella. He, he went to the church where I was, you know, pray, playing in worship team. And, and uh, I saw his little book and I was like, oh, cool. Is that your notebook where you write down um, just your notes from sermons? He's like, no. He's like, this is my uh, little black book. And I, um, here, I'll show you. And he opens it up and he has pictures of different kids. And I, I thought it was so profound. But I remembered it. And, um, and it said comments like, some of them like, a picture of a kid, Johnny so-and-so, it says, having trouble in math. And then he has a picture. Man, it's been years ago since I remember that on that. But, um, but I was really encouraged by that because I was like, Lord, this young man is interceding for kids. And I thought, well, why not? Why, what's stopping me from doing that? And it's, it's actually amazing. There's people that I know that we've been praying for. And there's a reason why we're doing this specific teachings to be prepared. There's going to be a lot of people coming to Christ. There's a lot of people that are hungry. We've got to be ready, okay? And we've got to pick up on our prayer. But intercessory prayer is so vital. So he has these pictures of different kids. And this little girl says, you know, shy but wants to be uh, able to sing. And then one of them, I remember, said, um, comes to church against his parents' desires. Um, you know, like, meaning he doesn't want to go to church, but he just shows up. And I thought, so awesome. And I said, well, man, well, what do you do? I mean, do you just keep praying? And he says, well, he's like, I can hardly wait to come to church on Sunday or whenever I see him next time and just see what God is doing in their lives. And so it's so amazing uh, to do intercessory prayers. The more we begin to pray for others, he will begin to open up our eyes. He will begin to use us. And sometimes I think, Lord, I, I just think the main problem is we're just too focused on ourselves. Because na naturally, you know, people are in this world, we're just focused on our own trouble and just whatever we have to deal with every day. But when we begin to pray for others, that's when we are receiving the heart of Jesus, what he had. Until this very last moment, he's on the cross. He's like, Lord, forgive them. And he says, not my will, Lord, but your will be done, right? So that is very powerful. So we must pray for others. That's intercessory prayer. And my last one is pray for edification. Okay, this is very important. Often we don't know what to pray for. How many, <laughs> I said in the beginning, I don't know, like often like where to even start in prayer. You just had a bad day and you're just like grumpy. And this week before worship night, I just had a tough day. And I was like, what's going on? Just dealing with difficult customers, trying to resolve issues. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. So, um, I want to use this example. I've said this before. and It was around before we had our baptisms last time. And I shared this example to the, um, our amazing uh, members who were wanting to get water baptized. And I said, I'll use an example of what Holy Spirit does. And we were talking about what Holy Spirit does. And I drove out from work. It was like 5.30 and I was planning to go directly to our friend's house. You know, just we do that every you know, specific day. And I knew already I was going there. I was ready to go. And all of a sudden, I just, just really just terrible sense of just, I don't know what it was. It was very heavy. I could not explain it. Like, what's going on? And my heart just like, my heart almost starts pounding. And I'm like, this is not a medical condition. I know that it's really when your heart is disturbed. It's as if 
you, you're about to see an accident, but it actually hasn't happened. Like it's happening right before your eyes. And I don't know what's going on. And I start praying and praying. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm going to call Larissa and, uh, you know, and ask her to pray. But for some reason, in my heart, I was just like, I was seeing the house. I'm like, I need to pray for my house. And then I'm calling Larissa. And I'm like, she's not answering the phone. She, she always answers the phone. That's when I get off work. And my heart is like, man, I'm, I got to go home. I got to check it out. And I'm, as I'm driving, I, I don't know what to pray. My heart is just groaning. My spirit is groaning. I start interceding. And I'm just praying in tongues. Like, I don't even know what to pray for. I'm just like, she let up. My heart is crying out. I was like, God, something's about to happen. I get to the house. I pull up and I see an ambulance by our house. I've never seen that before. And I was like, God, something was going down. But the Holy Spirit prompted me. And I didn't know what to pray for. I didn't know how to pray. At that moment, I just felt really heavy. So I just prayed in my spirit language that doesn't have any, I don't even know what that means. It's the mysteries, the scriptures that we pray. But anyways, luckily, as I walked in, uh, the paramedics were already walking out. Ryan was eating, and he choked on something, and it got to the point where he was already nearly passing out. I mean, he turned purple, and I don't know, Larissa called. I mean, I'm imagining how long that time frame was, <laughs> and she handled it, like, so well. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I would have done, but all I knew, I was interceding as a father, and I didn't even know exactly what was happening. But that's a perfect example, you know, when you're praying and you don't know what to pray for. And so Romans chapter 8, 26, to base it off that, and I'm talking about what it means to speak in tongues. I know a lot of people all say, oh, this is not for us, or this is not biblical. It's in the Bible. Uh, uh, the word of God defends itself, and I believe it's God's desire for you to have access to that, to have the keys to that. It is your prayer language. This is a perfect example that I just used. I said, I didn't know what was going on, but I was praying. Sometimes you'll get this call and it says, so-and-so got in the accident. So-and-so died. What do you do? How do you pray? Lord, bless that person. You don't, you don't know what to pray for because you can't even imagine what they're going through right now, right? But look at this, Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for. <laughs> I just said As we ought to. But Spirit himself intercedes for us. What does it say? With groanings too deep for words. Too deep for words when you can't just explain it and you're just... You cry out to God. So when people say, hey, you know, the gift of tongues doesn't belong to me. And I ask them the question, does edification belong to you as a believer? Do you, God wants to edify you. God wants to encourage you. And I think, of course, it does. So I believe it is the will of God for every believer to have access to that. And there's two quick points I want to point out about two types of uh, tongues, okay? One is for self-edification. And one for public edification, because this is straight from Scripture. So the tongues for self-edification um, don't, don't need to have an interpretation. This is, I use myself as an example, right? Um, but it shows that these tongues are your prayer language. And that these tongues belong to everybody. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 through 4. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. And indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening. And that's why it's important that we're, we're hearing prophetic word. And, uh, from, and it's awesome. It's strengthening and it's encouraging us. And it says, and comfort. And verse 4, anyone who speaks in tongues, 
Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So again, there are a few examples in the Bible depicting this. Um, if you want to just write them down, I'm not going to go there for the sake of time. Um, Jude one twenty pretty much says, uh, this is for believers praying in tongues, if you want to uh, write that down. Uh, in a public setting, not for interpretation. It talks about literally you could pray even in the church sometimes. Uh, in Acts 2.4, remember the beginning of the Pentecost. 120 disciples are all in one room. And they began speaking in tongues as the Spirit says gave them utterance. Nobody was there to interpret. So when somebody tells me, oh, you don't pray in the church. No, it's very much possible. So there's nothing wrong with that. Another example is in the house of Cornelius in um, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Um, I'm just going to read 46 real quick. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So the gift of tongues belongs to every believer. Because Bible says the signs will follow. Okay? And they will speak the new tongues. It says that. And then there's tongues for public edification. Um, they're also in church. So these tongues are be accompanied by interpretation. I've been there where somebody is like speaking another language. And another person just stands up and interprets. It's phenomenal. It is, has happened before. It happens now. Um, but I believe it's very important for us to be in tune and be taught about it. At least we, we know that it is in the scripture. Amen. So tongues is not something that we do, um, that we just, you know, speak in, but we can pray in. And it says also we can speak in tongues. And, and on top of that, it says we can sing in tongues. So to pray, if you want to lay down when people are praying in tongues, it's 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Okay. To speak in tongues, it also talks about in Acts 2.4. They were speaking in new tongues. And then singing in tongues. It's beautiful. It's, I do that a lot during times when I'm worshiping. I'm praying here on Tuesday. And I grab my guitar and I don't even know. And I'm just singing praises to God. And um, that's in 1 Corinthians 14.15. Okay. It's a beautiful thing. And lastly, I want to lift the points, the effects of prayer. Three things that happen when we pray. Focus in, very important. Okay, prayer gives us heavenly awareness, okay? Uh, we love this last Tuesday prayer we're praying, and Jason brings up that we are seated in the heavenly realm. And after he says that, it's just been deposited in my spirit, and I just kept cooking on it, <laughs> okay? So I'm going to explain a little bit what that means. So prayer gives us heavenly awareness. Um, it gives us awareness of God's heart. Look at this, Ephesians 2.6. It says, and God raised us up with Christ... And seated us with him. Where? In heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. Okay? In Christ Jesus. Uh, so prayer gives us ability to see things the way God sees them. Because how many times have you been in a situation, you look at them, you're like, I absolutely see no potential in that person. <laughs> he is absolutely irritating me. <laughs> when you begin praying from God's perspective, when you start seeing in the, from the heavenly realms you're praying for them, you're seeing like, Lord, I bet he could become somebody so great. And you're going to be able to use me. <laughs> and I'm going to start speaking life into him instead of telling what's the obvious. I'm going to start bringing life out of him. Amen? Yes. So he, God gives us the ability to see things from heavenly's realm. Okay? Uh, because we are seated with him. That means it doesn't matter what you hear on the news. It doesn't matter the kind of news breakout and any kind of sickness there is. Guess what? Your, your information doesn't rely on news, CNN, Fox News, whatever. Your source comes from the God. You bring it up in prayer. 
And God gives you perspective. That's why uh, people that are really walking with God, I noticed through the pandemic when people, everybody was freaking out, a lot of us were. And, and there's people that are like, hey, Jesus is coming soon. Great. The sooner the better. <laughs> they just, they're not timid. They're, they don't have no fear. They're like, I like to say Kevin from Home Alone. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> so God, and this is so profound, guys. Check this out. God wants to reveal us secrets of his kingdom. So when somebody tells me, oh, well, um, you know, God does his ways, uh, you, you know, you're, we're nobody and all this stuff. And well, I'm like, wait a minute, we, we're his creation. And, let me, and, I, and, I, and I read these uh, two passages to them. I just quote them, watch this, Matthew 13, 11. Write this down and read, uh, check this out. And he answered them, to you it has been given to you, to all of us, everybody in this place. To you it has been given to know the secrets the kingdom of heaven received that. But to them, it has not been given. That's why certain people freak out the moment they see worldly events and, or any trouble hits them. They panic. They don't know what to do. But you, on the other hand, you're given the secrets of kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 1.9. He made known to us mystery of his will. <laughs> According to his good pleasure, which is purposed in Christ. That is the whole reason Jesus came. This is the whole reason he took a communion today. He says, I want to give you everything I have. I want to open up all the realms, all the riches in your life. I, don't know, I know how to unlock your difficult neighbor. I know how to uh, you know, move upon your husband, to move upon your wife, upon your children. He's like, bring it up to me. I have access to it. And this is what God is saying through this, okay? So he's like, I want to unlock it all for you, son. I want to give it all to you, daughter. Number two, what prayer does. Prayer teaches us to wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. This is when you come in, in, the word, uh, in prayer next time. Don't be too quick to run out. Don't just like, ah, Lord, da -da 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 -da. just like a gun machine. I got it. Checked out. And God is like, whoa, whoa. all right. So God wants to speak to us, right? But says, but they that wait upon the Lord, what will, it, what will it happen if you wait on the Lord? They will renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So part of prayer is always waiting on God, okay? So, and the way God answers is yes, no, or sometimes you wait. It's one of the three. And the last thing that happens of prayer when you begin praying in your life regularly Prayer opens up our spiritual eyes. It is related to what I was just talking about, seeing God's perspective. But I want to use a specific example. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. I didn't give the last 18, but if you can pull up. So 2 Kings 6, 17 through 18. So what happens is the army of Israel surrounded by their enemies. It's really just point us to bring this attention. This is my closing scripture. So surrounded, enemies, whatever it is, okay? So whether you're surrounded by a difficult situation or you've been surrounded for a long time, you know, and you don't know what to do. And so army of Israel is surrounded by the enemies. And then Elijah's servant gets so nervous. He's like, what do we got? We're outnumbered. What's going to happen? I'm going to read this. This is so profound. Second Kings chapter 6, 17 through 18. Then Elijah did what? Then he prayed. Then Elijah prayed. He said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. 
So when I'm talking about prayer opens up spiritual eyes, check this out. So the Lord opened the eyes of a young man. And he saw, and behold, this is what he saw. Check this out. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. This is Old Testament, guys. I mean, the Spirit of God was moving all through the history. In verse 18, this is what happens. This is how you fight your battles. <laughs> this is how we fight our battles. <laughs> it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We should do that at the end. But check this out. 18. As the army approached him, Elijah prayed to the Lord. Here he is. Elijah's like, well, I have this tool. I'm going to pray. Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. And guess what? The Lord struck them with blindness as Elijah requested. Come on. God is doing something when we pray. He hears our prayers. And so it is so vital to understand the power of prayer. That it opens up our spiritual rise. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.